Good morning, church. This is Pastor Mims. Uh, grateful to be alive today and want to thank everyone for a wonderful Easter Resurrection Day last Sunday. I pray that everyone is well and staying healthy, um, that you're bumping up your hygiene. Uh, today we're talking about how to live in a post-Easter world or post-Resurrection Day world. What I mean is that every year at this time, after the Resurrection Weekend, we go back to our lives We go back to work only to find the same difficult challenges, same difficult people. Uh, Many people who have Jesus resume the same language of complaint and fatigue that they had before the resurrection weekend. But doesn't it seem like something should be drastically different because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You see, after the resurrection of Jesus over 2,000 years ago, things were different. As churches were established at Ephesus and Galatia and places like Corinth, they had a new power to live in a way that was drastically different than before. You see, today we're going to revisit some of what the church was given to live powerful, impactful lives. Not only the church then, but the church today. That includes you and I. Let's offer a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you this morning for this opportunity to be able to share your good news. God, we search the scriptures, we search your word to be enlightened, to be empowered by the things that you've left for us by your spirit. God, we profess to know nothing other than what you give us. And we stand on the power that you've given us this morning, not to uh, be self-exalting, but to exalt you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, we're grateful for this opportunity this morning to be able to proclaim your word. And so as we go into the message today, we ask that you help me to minimize that you might be maximized. Help us to establish your glory, to live as you would call us to live. God, we give you praise and honor in Jesus name as we pray. Amen. Let's go into the word. Every year, post-Easter Resurrection Day, millions of Christians um, go back to work. They struggle to keep the spirit of Christ alive as they resume their lives. Um, They go back to dealing with difficult situations or difficult people. Um, This struggle was not too dissimilar from the early church when we look at the scriptures. It's been nearly 2,000 years uh, since Jesus' resurrection um, and the efforts of that early church to be able to walk in that authority because of his resurrection. But yet, when we read the scriptures, uh, there were some in the church that still continued to struggle. The issues then had nothing to do with the power of Jesus' sacrifice. For when we read Paul's words to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 1, 7-8, he says, You have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame. But here's the thing. Despite those words from Paul, that church continued to struggle. They didn't struggle, however, because they didn't know the word. They struggled because they failed to remember why they were called. They failed to remember on a regular uh, daily commitment the things that they had, the things that had happened uh, with Christ and his resurrection. You see, Paul established this Christian community uh, that we read about in Corinth during his second missionary journey. He had moderate success among the Jewish converts at Corinth because eventually when we read Acts 18, 1 through 8, they begin to rebel against him. Truth be told, Paul actually had more success with the Gentiles or the underprivileged than he did with the actual people of God. And we see that 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. 
The city of Corinth, because of its geographical location, was a commercial crossroads for trade. But because of that, it was also a crossroads for pagan and cultic worshipers. This began to impact the church, which started to fracture. When you peruse through 1 Corinthians, you read about divisions within the church. People were talking about you know, who baptized them rather than talking about the victory of their baptism. They were claiming superior wisdom. When you look at chapter two, over others, it's called Gnosticism. When people say that, you know, I know something about the word that you don't know. The membership uh, failed to deal with incest in the church and there were legal conflicts that ended up in pagan courts. And we read, you know, uh, a passage of scripture in chapter 11 where people were taking the Lord's Supper or Eucharist, but they failed to remember the purpose of why they were taking it. So the church was in a mess. It was, a, it was, it was mayhem that was taking place. The church simply lost its way. They forgot who they were or what they were given to live out their faith. Here's the thing that I want you to take away from the day, the central message, and that is that what's in you must override what's around you. The Spirit of God, we talk about greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We can't just say that, but we must believe that what is in us, who is in us, must override what is around us. When I think back to to, to my early years, when I was in high school, I remember um, after uh, my first year of college, uh, my best friend, he'd accepted Islam. And I remember going to the mosque with him to support him. But I also want to kind of understand what was his attraction to Islam. Um, I, as I looked, I admired the Muslims' commitment to pray five times a day. I thought that was, it, it was impressive. Um, because, you see, the Muslims believed that the prayer would set the rhythm of their day. They did it as a reminder of, uh, to them for who they were and what they were called to do. Similarly, uh, about three years ago, I took a family trip uh, to Israel, and as we would go throughout the city and we stayed in different hotel rooms, every hotel doorway and every business doorway we visited had a small three to five inch box or capsule. It's, it's called, a, called a mezuzah. Um, it contains a small parchment of the scriptural commandment that we find in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. You know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Keep these words I'm commanding you. And so the, the, these parchments of that great uh, commission that had been given to Israel, it, it, it's captured in these mezuzahs that are all over the city, over every doorway and every place that you would go. You see, they posted these things on the doorways as part of what God called them to do, uh, but they posted to remind them of who they were and what their calling was. You would see Jewish men throughout the city, and you can see it today if you see go into any Jewish communities. Um, you can't miss the strings hanging from their suit pants pockets. Those strings, that they have blue cords around them. They're to serve as a reminder for them of God's commandments. And this was given as a commandment for them to make these strings uh, that we find. We find this in Numbers uh, chapter 5, verse 39. You see, I used to see these things as extreme or unnecessary. But when we look at the challenges facing the church today, we look at the struggles of, 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 of people that, that believe, not so much that we live perfect lives or should live perfect lives, but there's some things that we struggle with today that I wonder, should we be struggling considering the power that God has given us? Is there such thing as, as being too extreme? Is it, you know, when I look backwards at those things of the mezuzahs everywhere or think about the, 
commitment to prayer on a regular basis, is that considered too extreme? I want to remind you, what's in you must override what's around you. Maybe we need to place some reminders ourselves um, in our own lives. Let me ask you this. Maybe you found yourself struggling in places where you didn't plan to still be struggling, or maybe you're just tired of the cycle of falling and getting back up only to fall again in that same spot. It's good to know that we can go to the scriptures, not only for encouragement, but also to see how to recover the power that God intended for us as his followers. Let's look at some of the Apostle Paul's words to the church at Corinth who had similar challenges. And we're, we're reading just three verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It's a thought-for-thought translation. And it reads like this. It says, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Verse 9 and final verse, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so let me kind of orient you to the scriptures here and what we're reading from. You see, the letters of First and Second Corinthians was addressed to the church in Corinth, but all of the Pauline letters that we read in the New Testament were written not just to the to the individual churches, but they were addressed to all churches everywhere, and all churches across time, which includes the church of today or you and me. These three verses that we read, verses 7 through 9, are considered just the introduction of Paul's letter. The letter was actually written as a chastisement for bad behavior of the church, the things that I had mentioned earlier. And so when we read these verses 7 through 9, this is just the introduction. It's kind of like if you remember how your parents, before they would discipline you or spank you, or uh, let me say this, I used to get some spankings. I don't know about you that are living or listening, uh, but again, before they would spank you, they would remind you of all the reasons you should be acting right, you know, because of your home training or because you got the toy the last time you were in the store or you showed out and you didn't get a spanking the last time. They talked to you before the discipline came. This is what Paul is doing in his introduction, or these verses of 1 through 9. The letters of First and Second Corinthians were written to address the problems, but before Paul gets to the issue at hand, he reminds them of why they should be living as examples. Let's, let's dive deeper into what the scripture actually says. Verse 7, Paul says, you have every spiritual gift you need as you wait for Jesus' return. Remember, it's not only written for the church then, but it's for the church today. It's for us. The the New Testament, when we read it, we read the English of it. But again, it was written in what's called Koine Greek or Common Greek. Uh, And so when we see the word gift, there are two terms, two Greek words that are used to express gift. One is is pneumatikos, uh, means breathe uh, or, or God breathe. Um, It really speaks to our spiritual abilities. Uh, We think about the gift of tongues or we think about prophecy. That's that gift. And then there's another word that's that's charisma. We're familiar with that one. It kind of has an English translation. Uh, Charis means grace or favor. And it refers specifically to the result of gracious giving or or action. Um, And so when we say that someone is charismatic, what we're talking about is their influence or the impact that they have. 
When Paul says in verse seven, so when we read verse seven, he says that you have every spiritual gift that you need as you wait on Jesus' return. He says you have charisma, you have influence or impact. Now that right there, that's shout worthy. You, you see that, that, that charisma includes not only the spiritual gifts, uh, the, the, the pneumaticos, uh, for the building up of the church that we see in 1 Corinthians 12 and 4, but it also refers to the, the, the person's special calling, that gift of the, of the things that are inside of them. We see that in 2 Timothy 1 and 6 when Paul encourages Timothy to, to rekindle or stir up the gifts inside of him. It also refers to the gift of salvation that we read about in Romans 5 and 15 or 6 and 23. You see, part of the power that, that Paul left in his letters is not only a reminder of why we must live in victory power, but also how we are able to live in victory power. Again, it's not why we must live in victory, but it also speaks to how we can live in victory. Again, what's in you must override what's around you. What's in you must override what's around you. So, so let us think about setting some reminders in place to help encourage us along the way. Here's a question. What is your excuse for living below God's capability in you? And again, this is not a personal assault, but when we think about all of our lives, we all have a bit of stretch. We all have room to grow. But when we think about why we're living below that means, what, 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 what do we tell ourselves? You and I may be living a subpar life, but, but again, subpar is only good on a golf course. But in the presence of a God who empowers he, he requires us, he empowers us to live above par, beyond our human capability, beyond the things that you and I can do, to live supernaturally. Here's the point. The resurrection has already happened. We commemorated that last week, and Jesus has risen. Now that Easter or resurrection is behind us and we're back at work or dealing with difficult people, how do we keep the Spirit of God and not get discouraged? How do we keep that, that thing hot? How do we keep that focus in front of us? If we reflect on the text, it's about remembering what God has already given you. Verse 8 says, God will strengthen you to the end so that you might be blameless before him. You see, it's something that we don't have to have physical or natural might or this natural stamina. God said, I'll give it to you. So when you get weak and you find yourself on the brink of reverting back to old ways to deal with old problems, God says, I'll strengthen you in that moment. When we find ourselves thinking that, you know what, this issue or this situation is going to persist, it's getting the best of me. I don't know how long I can stay in the fight. I don't know how long I can maintain my Christianity. Remember, verse 8 says, God will strengthen you to the end. He'll strengthen you to the end. Imagine if every believer, everyone listening today, Everyone listening to this sermon, everyone uh, uh, you know out there that professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, imagine if everybody really understood this power and realized what's in their possession. Would there be more believers or Christians because those looking for hope would see more examples before them if, if, if all of us were living this out to its fullest? I read a statistic that the church, and think about the church global, think about every church that professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If we all would operate on one accord, there's enough wealth and, 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 and substance to end poverty and homelessness right now today. Would we see fewer or any uh, 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 less homelessness you know, on, our, on the streets of our cities? 
because the church operated as one body or we lived out our gifting? Think about this. The coronavirus has done more to help the homeless population than than the church when you really think about the persistence of poverty and homelessness in our communities. Because of the coronavirus and the shelter in place orders, now states or the government is mandated to put the homeless up in vacant hotels and to care for them for the sake of helping them to be healthy or be in good places. That's the church's role when you really think about it. But yet God has allowed this virus, I think, for a number of reasons, one of which I think is for us to be able to see what he's calling us to be or to live out. If more people would realize this power, well, we have more people that currently live on the margins, struggling with substance abuse or gender dysphoria or mental illness or loneliness. Would there be more of them living in the center as part of our church? You see, part of the feedback that we hear from those that are struggling is that they come into the midst of the church. They, they come into our presence, but they're led to feel like they don't belong. They see more of the world in the church than they do in the actual world itself. But something about that is it doesn't make sense. It's not right. They come in and they don't feel our gifting or our charisma, our influence, our impact. Maybe we need to put some reminders around us. Maybe we should commit to more prayer on a daily basis. We don't have to necessarily wear the, the strings or the cords out of our pockets, but, but, but maybe there's an opportunity to attend an additional Bible study. Maybe it's a, an opportunity to put a reading plan in place to where you commit to reading Scripture on a regular basis every day, multiple times a day. I used to think that that was extreme, but when I read the scriptures and see the power that's available today, and I look at the state of the church or the the lack of our impact on the world around us, something is missing. And I just believe it's that we need to be reminded of what's in us. You see, what's in us must override what's around us. So church, let us set some reminders in place. Let us, let us wake up daily and put it over our doorposts and put it across the lintel. Let, it, let us put some reminders in our computers or our phones to have us to commune and fellowship with God so that we can get in contact, stay in contact with the power that the, the apostle says is within us and it's with all of us until Jesus' return. Church, let's offer a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you once again for this opportunity to be able to share your gospel, to be able to, to encourage those that are listening. I pray, God, that your spirit might, might resound across the airwaves. I pray that, that people hear what you've intended for them to hear. Let them not get lost in the confusion of the message or any words that I might have misspoken in error. God, I just pray right now that your spirit and your power reign, that those that are listening might be encouraged, that their, their healing that you intended inside of them might illuminate, uh, to, 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 that others might see your power and authority that others might come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, for those that believe that there is no hope, help them to be connected to the never-ending power that flows from your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory and honor this day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Stay tuned for our important message. God bless. Enjoy. Thank you for tuning into today's message, and I pray that the Lord has allowed you to hear something that spoke directly to your heart. 
Um, if the Lord is moving on you to give your life to Christ or you find yourself not being a believer or never having uh, given Jesus Christ headship of your life, I encourage you to please pick up the phone, send me an email, reach out to me so I can talk to you um, about what it means to be a believer, about the new freedom that I spoke of in the message is available for you. Again, my uh, email address, you can send it to Pastor Mims, P-A-S-T-O-R-M-I-M-M-S, uh, or you can give me a call um, at the church line, area code 925 four three nine two four zero five again that's area code nine two five four three nine two four zero five or you can reach out to me um at pastor mims uh, at gmail.com and um, again i look forward to talking with you also if you've been inclined if the lord is moving on your heart to sow into uh, our ministry or to continue your giving um, right now, during our shelter-in-place order, we have text giving. Uh, it's a secure network where you can text your giving in. Um, you, you can do that at uh, 73256. So the place on your text message, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, uh, where you type in the number, uh, the phone number would be 73256. And then down in the message section, uh, you would type in C-O-T-L-G. Uh, 21, uh, C-O-T-L-G, 21, and then hit the send button. You will receive a bounce back message that says you're almost there. Uh, Follow those prompts to continue and complete your giving. But we thank uh, God for um, your prayerful support um, as you continue or as you uh, serve as a new uh, giver and supporter of our ministry. Also, after our shelter in place, um, if you don't have a church home, I encourage you to come and check us out live. Uh, We're located at 1125 Harbor Street in Pittsburgh, California. Um, If you happen to have gotten this message and maybe you're not in the state of California, if you ever come to the Bay Area, please give us a shout out. Reach out to us. Uh, We more than uh, happy to not only welcome you, but we look forward to meeting you and um, again, making you feel at home. We know that our place of worship is not the church. We are the church. We are the ecclesia, the called out. And so we look forward to meeting you. If God has called you to come visit us, uh, we have a place prepared just for you. I want to thank you again for tuning in to today's message. Um, you can hear these sermons not only um, in our realm system, we have an internal system, but the sermons are also located on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Type in COTLG21 in the search and within Spotify or within Apple Podcasts, and you'll be regularly updated on sermons. Just choose to follow the sermons, and they'll be automatically pushed to your phone or your mobile device. God bless you. God keep you. And we look forward to talking to you real soon. Enjoy.